When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi everyone, Marcel here. Before today's episode, I want to tell you about a new show that we are loving at Which Please Productions, the Culture Study Podcast with Anne Helen Peterson. If you don't already know it, I'm convinced that you're about to fall in love with a new podcast. And this is coming from me, Marcel, someone who famously doesn't really listen to podcasts. Culture Study is a podcast about exploring the nooks and crannies of the culture that surrounds us. Each week, Anne and a super smart co-host will answer listeners' questions about the stuff they find interesting and perplexing, like, why do clothes suck now? And is Paw Patrol copaganda, or is it not that deep? And like, what's the deal with everyone I know getting a divorce? Just like Anne's tremendously popular newsletter of the same name, Culture Study Podcast is funny, insightful, and kind of weird. And it's guaranteed to help you become the most interesting person at parties. Listen to the Culture Study Podcast every Wednesday, wherever you get your shows. Who knows? Maybe you'll recognize some guests in the coming months. Are you sure about recording outside? Like, there's so much noise. Hello and welcome to Witch Please, a fortnightly podcast about the Harry Potter world. I'm Marcel Cosman. And I'm Trevor Chow Fraser. Tonight, you are listening to a special mini-sode while Hannah McGregor is away gallivanting about the great city, Montreal. So without any further ado, let's get straight on to tonight's episode. This week, as part of our mini-sode, I've recruited our erstwhile tech support, Trevor Chow Fraser. Hi, how are you doing? The robot of our hearts, to help me with a little bit of Q&A. You, dear listeners, have sent in your questions via Twitter with the hashtag WhichPleaseTellMe, and Trevor has curated those for us and selected a small handful, which he will pose to me, and I will have to answer them. I just want to clarify that I have absolutely no idea what any of these questions are. I haven't seen them ahead of time, so this is all 100% off the cuff. Let's set the scene a little bit before we jump into these questions. I am recording this episode in my backyard with uh, our erstwhile tech support, Trevor Chow Fraser. Hi, how are you doing? So you may hear a little bit of background noise, like the chirping of birds and the uh, gunning of motorcycles, um, because this is Edmonton. And in Edmonton during the summer, everybody gets their loudest vehicles out of storage and drives them up and down the same two main streets all day, every day until it snows. So let's jump right into questions. There were almost a dozen questions, all of them excellent, but I have whittled it down to four. They will shock 
and surprise everyone involved. <gasps> but uh, just to round it out, I'm going to start you off with a fifth softball question from myself. I want you to know, Marcel Cosman, which moment gives you the most delight in all of Harry Potter? Do you mean Harry Potter, the entire Harry Potter universe? Like, can I take it from the films as well as from the books? Uh, yeah. Okay. Wonderful question. Thank you very much. It's a very generous question. Um, I would have to say that the moment that gives me the most delight takes place during the film adaptation of Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince. I have lots of qualms about the film, which I'm sure we will talk about at length when we uh, go through the film in one of our later episodes. But nevertheless, it also contains some of my favorite moments in the entire series. And one of the things that I think that the film does really well is it allows the actors who at this point have been playing these characters for a decade um, to really make those characters their own. And I think that this movie, more than any of the others, gives us a really good example of how well Daniel Radcliffe understands Harry Potter as a character. Um, and so he does a couple of things in the film um, that aren't in the books, but really should be because they're so completely and totally Harry Potter. The one that I'll choose for the greatest delight question is when Harry and... Hagrid and Professor Slughorn having a kind of funeral for Aragog. And and Slughorn and Hagrid are sort of having a, a kind of emotional back and forth about the, the greatness of, of Aragog. Somebody makes this comment about like what makes him so terrifying. And Harry kind of slyly adds to no one in particular. And I can't remember if he says fangs or pincers or just does this motion with his hands where he like makes two little fangs with his fingers and like does this kind of noise. Anyway, it's just really funny. And it's something that I think would be really hard to write into a book. But Daniel Radcliffe just does this really beautiful job of nailing this character so well. And that is my greatest delight. It's about the, the cheekiness that Harry has, which yeah. comes out later in his life, maybe. Yeah, it sort of preceded earlier on in the movie with Hermione cautioning Harry, which does happen in the book. She cautions Harry about some of the some of the female students uh, who are going to try to slip him some love potion. And she makes this comment about how, you know, it's only because they think that you're the chosen one. And Harry sort of says, and again, this isn't in the book, but it's in the movie and it should be in the book. Harry sort of replies to her, but I am the chosen one. And it's true. <laughs> It's just really funny, and I really appreciate it. Um, so yeah, so that so Daniel Radcliffe's performance in that whole movie is just spectacular. Cool. Question one down the drain. Thank you. Now we'll move on to. Sound like I did a bad job. <laughs> no, it was great. So now we'll move on to one of our Twitter questions. This is from Andrew Bretz. <gasps> Andrew Bretz explains. <clears throat> I was unmoved by the death of Cedric Diggory <gasps> in both book and movie. Does that make me a bad person? Yes, unequivocally. It unequivocally makes you a bad person. If you do not shed tears for the death of Cedric Diggory, you must be a robot. And not the robot of our hearts. Just a cold, cold, 
cold soul. I still cry every time he dies. Every single time he dies. Sometimes before he dies. That's all. Andrew, shame on you. Would you um, prescribe anything for Dr. Bretz? (laughs) No, he's the doctor, not me. (laughs) Prescribe yourself some feelings, Dr. Bretz. Okay. Thank you for your question, Andrew. I hope you are thoroughly shamed. Next, we have a question from Karina Soros. Karina Soros wonders, are Hogwarts teachers single and childless, or do they have partners and offspring elsewhere, possibly in the dungeons? (laughs) Wow. (laughs) That's wonderful. That's a great question. Uh, As you know, we are not technically allowed to do any research, and so the answer that I have to give is not based on having done research for the purposes of answering this question, but I think I was looking for I think I was looking for images to tweet at one point and I stumbled across I'm not sure if it was a Pottermore article are they called articles on Pottermore? I don't think they are. But anyway, it was some sort of it was some sort of like Harry Potter wiki that took its information from official sources as wikis tend to do. And it explained that Minerva McGonagall, for example, is actually uh, a widow. And I, I can't remember if she had children or not, but I was under the impression that she had had a child. I could be completely mistaken. So I would, I would say that in some cases, it certainly appears, based on paratextual evidence, um, that Hogwarts teachers have significant others and have or have had children. But the book doesn't really give us any insight into that. And part of the reason why I believe that might be is because of Harry Potter's limited narrative perspective. He doesn't really think of his teachers as humans. And I'm sure like lots of us Lots of us are like this in, in elementary school and high school. We don't really think of our teachers as having spouses or children or like romantic partners or anything like that until all of a sudden it is made plain to us that they are in fact real human beings or whatever. So yeah, whether or not they're kept in the dungeon, I'm I'm willing to entertain that idea because as we know, Dumbledore is a lunatic. And the types of things that he lets his teachers get away with are entirely beyond ministry uh, approval. So, yeah, that that very well could be. I mean, if you if if Hogwarts doesn't provide childcare, or in fact, if Hogwarts does provide childcare, it would make sense that it would be restricted to um, the dungeons, where there are chains and other types of child fasteners. Thanks for the question. Yeah, I'd, I hadn't thought about it until I read the question, but it is striking that there are no spouses in the book. I think the one glimpse we have of a teacher outside of school is uh, Snape, at the beginning of book six. Mm-hmm. It's quite startling to see him drinking booze, reading books, cozy at home, you know, <laughs> just homemaking. With his, with his feet up on an ottoman? Yeah. <laughs> Well, thank you, Karina Soros. So two questions left, three down. You're 60% of the way through. 
Are you feeling relieved? Anxious? No, I'm feeling thrilled. Thrilled by the chase. Okay. Well, here's a question from Alan Matley on Twitter. He asks, Do you feel that there is a bias in academia against the study of more so-called popular forms of art? For example, Harry Potter. Mm, Absolutely. Yes. Yes. 100% yes. Yes. A thousand times yes. Um, This is absolutely the case. Uh, I wouldn't say that it is universally the case and the case in all institutions equally, but it has become apparent to me by observing the department council meetings at the University of Alberta, where I'm a PhD student, the types of heated conversations, or rather the types of conversations that become heated um, between different academics will very often revolve around the types of things that we consider literature. I think that um, my department at the U of A is actually quite a progressive and innovative um, English department as far as as far as those go. And so it's been really interesting to me to see the, the types of media and the types of texts that are being pitted against one another in the great battle for what constitutes literature and how to define ourselves as an English department in an age when things that we consider literature are so up in the air and up for grabs. But one of the things that I've always found really surprising about academics who continue to see certain types of texts as literature and real literature where other things are not is the fact that we consider Shakespeare unquestionably to be literature, but Shakespeare was was popular entertainment um, in the Elizabethan era. The types of people who went to see Shakespeare plays were, it was everyone from royalty to sex workers and drunks. So I, I think that this idea that we have of certain things being real literature and other things just being pulp or popular or entertainment uh, is is very silly and precious and not at all interesting to me. Thank you for the question. Yes, thank you, Alan Matley, for that question on Twitter. I feel like we've had a real range of different types of questions, which is wonderful. Yeah, you did a great job choosing that range of questions, Trevor. Good job. I was just picking from what's available. <laughs> so we're, we're down to the last question out of five. Here's the fifth. Andrea Hassenbank challenges as an avowed Ravenclaw. What are your best tower entering riddles? Marcel Cosman. Let me fall back on feminism. (laughs) This is, I'm not sure if it constitutes a riddle so much as just a, Um, a shibboleth. (laughs) Um, But here's the question that I would fall back on first when uh, deciding who gets to enter my tower. A father and son are driving in a car uh, along a highway and they get into a terrible, terrible accident. Their injuries are so severe that they have to be rushed to separate hospitals at opposite ends of the city because there are not enough doctors in a single hospital to treat both of their extremely severe injuries. Um, So they've been rushed to separate hospitals at opposite ends of the city. 
when the son is wheeled into the operating room, the doctor takes one look at the boy and says to the other staff, I can't operate on this patient. This patient is my son. How is that possible? Well, obviously, they're a gay couple of, of doctor parents. Yeah. Deal with you, Trevor. <laughs> it's the child's mother. The mother is a doctor. Oh, women can be doctors. <gasps> <gasps> anyway, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a good, it's an oldie but a goodie. Do you know where I, I actually first heard that riddle thing from uh, the Kevin Costner film, Tin Cup? I didn't know Kevin Costner was a feminist. He's not. That actually comes up in the movie. <laughs> he is telling that riddle to some other people. And Rene Russo overhears and says something about saying something like she didn't know that he was a feminist. And I believe he says something to the effect of, I've been called a lot of things in life, but never a feminist. I can't remember where it goes from there. They have sex. So somewhere it goes somewhere. I don't know. It's a movie about golf. Like who? I think I saw it at a drive-in. Leave me alone. Well, thank you for that um, quite enlightening riddle. Any others? No. I believe Andrew asked for plural riddles. Like who even thinks of riddles? Like where do they come from? Uh, I don't know much about Harry Potter, but from the question, I'm assuming that Ravenclaws come up with riddles on a regular basis in order to enter their tower. That is the case. They don't have um, they don't have passwords. You have to you have to answer a riddle correctly. I think I'm much better at answering riddles. Okay, well I... then let's look oh, up a riddle, no. and I will <laughs> test you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Okay, so here's some classic riddles. Maybe you've... Maybe you already know them, or maybe you can figure it out. <clears throat> Voiceless, it cries. Wingless, it flutters. Toothless, it bites. Mouthless, mutters. What is it? Is it the wind? Whoa, you're so good. It is the wind. I've never heard of the wind doing any of those things. Like, none of those things are in common uh, <laughs> parlance. <laughs> I don't know. You could say the wind cries or the wind bites. It's a biting wind. No, you would say it's a biting cold. You wouldn't say it's a biting wind. No, anyway, say okay, okay, fine. Okay. The I'm, muttering wind is kind of weird. That's super weird. Yeah. yeah. Okay. What is it that no person ever yet see, which never was... But always is to be. Tomorrow? Yeah. You are a Ravenclaw. Real Ravenclaw. <laughs> okay, here's here's a riddle which maybe doesn't have an answer. 
How do you know if a nonverbal spell has failed? Well, are you the spell caster or are you observing it? Observer. Uh, you know that it's failed because it doesn't happen. <laughs> like nothing happens. So, so they're always happening. <laughs> they're always failing. I I mean I'm sure that I'm sure nonverbal spells fail all the time but um, I'm trying like if you are aware that a person next to you is attempting to cast a nonverbal spell and nothing happens you'll you'll know that it that it didn't succeed that's not so much a riddle as just a a good a good question a good okay. valuable question yeah <laughs> okay. Uh, maybe this isn't a riddle either, it's, okay. but it's a good question. Okay. Uh, was the phoenix born young first, or was it dead and then it suddenly <laughs> like what what did the phoenix start out as? That's that's better than the chicken and the egg, right? Um, as a person who believes in the theory of evolution, I would say that the phoenix had to. Um, evolve from an earlier life form, and we know that birds are dinosaurs, so there must have been some kind of some kind of fire breathing. Di- oh my god, the phoenix is a dragon! I don't. I actually don't know. I think maybe the thing that we know of as a phoenix was probably a phoenix bird before it was born a phoenix. Yeah, I'm guessing it's the result of some kind of magical experiment on birds. Yeah, like interspecies breeding or something. Something that is now very likely banned. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And uh, have you thought of a riddle? Has, has all this got your your mind juices flowing? Yeah, but I think I would need more time to like make it rhyme and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but I... I, I I have been thinking of one. Maybe I'll maybe I'll tweet it later. Okay. So you'll have to stay tuned to our Twitter feed in order to find out <laughs> what riddle Marcel Cosman has invented. So thank you, Andrea Hasenbank, for asking that question. No, Andrea, that was so cruel. It was a cruel question. Thank you, dear listeners, for tuning in to tonight's mini-sode while Hannah McGregor is gallivanting about the great city of Montreal. Uh, You will catch us back at our regularly scheduled antics in two weeks, or rather one fortnight, when we discuss Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire, the film adaptation. But until then... You don't know what our sign-off is because you've literally never listened to a single episode. Do 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 do. <laughs> <laughs> what did I just tell you to say? Later, witches. Do, 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 do. I, I don't know what you're doing. <laughs>